this time. Dan, my friend, is going to come and share with us. And I love spending time with Dan. As Ricky was just praying that we would look like Jesus. And to me, Dan looks a lot like Jesus. So let's give our attention to him. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> See what I... No pressure. Um, it's a great opportunity uh, to be here with you this morning and to be in God's presence always. Whether I'm in Ukraine or I'm here in Canada, the one thing that defines the Christian life is the presence of God and the reality of His work in our hearts and through our hearts. Um, I'm excited this morning to be able to share about joy. Um, one of the things I love about this topic is that um, I've witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit to produce joy in times where joy should not even have entered our mind. And I'm so grateful to God that joy is not dependent on us, but rather the goodness of God and our response to His goodness. It's interesting for me, as human beings, we like to kind of deck out our lives and adorn our lives with all manner of things. Um, I know uh, watching my, my grandkids growing up, how they adorn themselves with different things. Uh, we, we as people adorn our outer selves with different garments. Uh, sometimes we even put ink on ourselves uh, to find somehow our identity or to make a mark or to make a difference uh, in life, to find a place of significance. Uh, we even adorn our houses. We like to make our houses look better. Uh, growing up as a, as a young man, I like to do that with my car. My car was one of those things that was constantly being adorned with new parts as I was able to uh, um, build it to the point where you know, the police wanted to take it away. But, but anyways, we do that. We adorn ourselves with all manner of things, um, both, you know, internally, um, in our intellect, we like to adorn ourselves with credentials to, um, to matter, to make an impact, you know. We want to have some kind of significance in the world. But the reality is, um, God kind of made us that way because he wants us to literally to be adorned with his presence. And it's the greater of the two, for sure, that we would actually embody, that we would carry the presence of God, that we would carry his characteristics that, that would define us as someone different, something different. And the fruit of the Spirit is that very thing that God creates in us by His power and for His glory. And if you want to be significant in the world and to make an impact in our day, that's one of the ways that followers of Jesus do that, is they actually are adorned by His presence and by His goodness. So I want to continue on as where Dave left off last week talking about joy. And I want to discuss three kind of things this morning. I want to look at how, uh, what really, 
what's the difference between joy and happiness? I think we probably all know what that is, but I want to touch on it again anyway. I want to review how the fruit of the Spirit is actually produced in our lives. And I want to look at where joy is related, um, or realized, sorry, as followers of Jesus. Where do we actually encounter this joy? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence here with us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that resides in us to transform our lives for transcendence. To transform our lives in such a way that we literally impact the very neighborhoods and communities that we live in. So Lord, I pray that that significant joy would be realized and true to each and every person that's in this room this morning. I ask that in your powerful and awesome name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So what's the difference between joy and happiness? Well, words joy, rejoice, and joyful appear 218 times in the NIV version of the Bible. In comparison, happy or happiness appears only 10 times. As we read through the scriptures, it appears that joy is more a state of being which differs from happiness which may come and go. I'm like any other guy. I love to be happy. I love to be happy. I love, I love hanging out with my friends and having those big old belly laughs, and I have a belly to do it. I, I love to be able to just have a great time with my family, my friends, and, and have those moments of happiness that, that are so significant in our lives. They're, they're very important. But what I've come to realize is what's more important is joy. Happiness is usually measured by different circumstances where joy is something that is literally deposited into our life as followers of Jesus. Something that can't be taken away, thank God. We have joy because we have the grace of God. Because we have the grace and the love and the care of Jesus at work in our lives. We can hold on to it. Joy that we can feel. Joy that lives in us. We can rejoice in praise regardless of the circumstances of our lives. Even in the most difficult seasons and times, we can focus on the Savior and the promises of His Word and find joy. I was thinking of a text in Hebrews 2, or 12, sorry, verse 2. talks about Jesus. I just want to read it to you. Hebrews 2, or 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, we would ask the question, well, that's some amazing joy. It's some amazing joy that would enable him to endure what he was about to endure, something that we will never have a grid for. But that same joy that he possessed to be able to do what he did now lives in his church by the power of the Holy Spirit 
and his amazing grace. God wants to teach us how to live in this mindset where we literally focus on what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. And when we do that, we can have this joy that does not, you know, it's not determined by circumstances or our situation. So many times over the last uh, months when I was in Ukraine, there were moments where I'm thinking like, Lord, I, I, I need your joy today. After hearing story after story of, of, of things happening that no ears should ever have to hear and no eyes should ever have to see in their life. After hearing those things, I realized that without the joy of the Lord, my, my life is going to be really difficult. But joy came in those moments as I reviewed the promises of God, as I looked to a God that defines joy, not a world that defines joy, not an experience that defines joy, but a God who defines joy. It also says in Habakkuk 17, or, or 317 and 18, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Joy and God are synonymous with each other. If you lack God, you lack joy. If you have God, you have joy. And so we find ourselves in these circumstances where it's like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to be able to carry on. I want you to take some time and just begin to focus on what God has promised you. Focus on what he's done in your heart and in your life. Focus on what he's going to do. Because his word is chock full of promises for you and I, the followers of Jesus. How is this joy produced? Well, first of all, if we look at the book of Acts, we see right from the beginning of that book an incredible work of God's presence. An incredible work of the Holy Spirit to literally transform men who were just fishermen, a rugged bunch of guys, some guys that I would probably like to hang out with. I like to hang out with guys that like the bush. I like to hang out with guys that like hot rods. I like to hang out guys with lots of ink and tattoos on their arm. I like to hang out with people that have things stapled to their face. I really do. I don't know why I'm drawn to those type of people, but for whatever reason, I... I identify with this rowdy bunch of guys who got injected with the presence of God, with the Holy Spirit of God. God came to dwell in their hearts and in their lives. And one of the reasons he did that is he wanted for them to become part of what he experienced in his relationship with the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit. What an incredible thing. Jesus prays the prayer in John 17. Father, that they may be one as we are. You see, the Father and Son and, 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 and the Holy Spirit have no issues with competition. 
They're not struggling with who's better. Who, who's, who's better? Who can do this better or that better? They just reside together, working together for the good of us and creation and for their own joy. God wants to invite us into that joy and, and sent Jesus to preach the message of the gospel so that we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the life-changing work of grace, God would bring us into this place of fellowship and joy. I love what it says in John 15. I want to look at a couple of verses there. Verse 4, 5, and verse 11. Remain in me. He's talking, Jesus is talking about the vine and us being part of that vine. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Then in verse 11, he says, I told you this, I love this part, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What a powerful text. Actually, I want to I look at Acts 2, Acts 4.13. This, this is the reality of what happened with these boys that I was talking about earlier. These guys had just finished praying for a man, and they'd been brought into um, the court of judgment. Uh, the Jews, the Pharisees, and scribes didn't like what was going on, and so they go, we need to investigate this situation. So they brought Peter and John. And it, it says in this verse, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So Jesus does this work in the lives of people who hang out with Jesus. In the lives of people who embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. To cling to the truth of his word. God does this work of transformation. And produces like fruit. Produces a, a life that looks the same as Jesus. Produces a life that acts the same as Jesus. Lastly, my third point is, where is this joy realized? Where is this joy realized? I love Psalm 1611. First of all, I believe it's realized in his presence. Some of you may be thinking, well, Dan, how is that possible? Because you can't just, you know, walk into the presence of God. Well, the interesting thing about followers of Jesus is they actually carry the presence. They carry the presence of God. And so in his presence, God's presence that hovers over you, that fills you, that surrounds you. It says in Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. Wow. You make known how I should walk in this life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. This is, this is what God wants to do for his saints in all circumstances of our life. 
Does that mean we're going to be happy in that moment? No. But we're going to be filled with his inexpressible joy. It says, your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Wow. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. With eternal pleasures at your right hand. You know, I look for those days. I look forward to those days with great anticipation. Where there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more fear. There will be no more pain and no more suffering. But we will be in this place of eternal joy. You see, life hands us different circumstances and changes and trials and tribulations. But the one thing or person that gets us through them all is Jesus. Is the work of his Holy Spirit. It's the transformation of our hearts and lives. Hearts that were fearful become joyful. Hearts that were sorrowing become joyful because we sense God's nearness and his presence. This is a promise to followers of Jesus. And I can attest to the truth of it. Joy is realized in having a family. How many know that getting together with family is a great time? Well, unless you don't like your family. But normally, it's a good time. You want to be home with your kids. Like me in Ukraine, I, I get to come home sometimes once a year, sometimes every other year. But one of the great joys of mine is to be able to just hold my grandson on my knee. To sit with my teenage um, grandchildren and just listen to them talk. And then I reprimand them. No. No, I, 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 love to, I love to see what God is doing in their hearts and how their lives are changing and where they're going with, with their life. I go, wow, thank you, Jesus, for your good work. But we've been invited into God's family. I'm so grateful for that. And much of Ephesians chapter 2 talks about how Christ is inviting us into this new family that he's building. And in this particular text, Paul's talking about how Jews and Gentiles are becoming one family unto God. So God has invited us into that family and into experiencing his grace, experiencing what it means to be part of the international family of God. That's one thing I love about being a missionary is to watch how God is the same no matter where you are in the world. His presence, his life, his truth is realized. I was also thinking of a scripture in Philemon, actually, verse uh, 5 to 7. It says, because I hear about your love for all his holy people, this is Paul talking, and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. And this is the verse I wanted to emphasize. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts 
of the Lord's people. In family, in the family of God, our hearts are refreshed. We find joy in the presence of our family, the family of God and our natural family. We also find joy in having a feast. How many like to have a good feast now and then? I, I, I really love that. You can tell. I, I, I love to cook. One of the things that I love to do is I love to cook. Love to cook meals. Actually, I get more enjoyment out of cooking for other people than I do for myself. When I'm by myself, it's like, you know, a bowl of soup and a piece of toast. But I love putting together good meals where families can come together and just enjoy joy. Enjoy the company of each other. In Ukraine, I was fortunate enough to be able to once in a while cook for the church. And I love to be able to, you know, kind of expose them to something that we would eat normally in North America. They loved it too and wanted me to do it more than I actually could. But I love to be able to do that. And a feast is something that, you know, God wants his people to enjoy. In fact, the great feast that's coming in the book of Revelation called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb is going to be a feast that rivals anything we've ever experienced. And in this particular context of Acts chapter 1 and 2, we see they're actually gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. Or the Feast of Booze. It was a, it was a traditional time to get together and remember the work of God. And so these disciples have gathered together and they were gathered together to pray and to wait for this impartation of God. And the reality is, it wasn't just a natural feast. They were going to feast in a way that they never dreamed possible. Jesus was going to become that feast, really. A feast of joy. A feast of love. A feast of unparalleled uh, and unimaginable uh, means and, 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 and ways that God would begin to change their lives. Joy is having a future. How many long for change in our future? I, every time I look at the news about Ukraine, I long for a change in the future. I long to see Jesus exalted. I long to see God glorified. I long to see an end to pain. I long to see an end to suffering. God desires us to understand that that's his heart. And inevitably, that's where we're going. But in the meantime, do we actually believe that joy is having a future? I pray that we do. Romans 15, 12 to 13 says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. And then Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, that you, that so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What gives us the ability to move on, to carry on with life? Hope. Hope for change. And not just in the afterlife. Not just 
when we're with Jesus forever. Hope for change now. Be the change. Be the active agent of God's joy in this day. Because unless you notice, you haven't noticed, sorry, the world needs more joy. The world needs more love, as Dave mentioned last week. Lastly, joy is having faith. Wow. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9. Faith in the works and the trustworthiness of Jesus' work and grace holds us secure. Let's look at this. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in His great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope. Not a visiting hope. Not a hope that comes occasionally, but a hope that lives. A living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish. spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. One of the things for me is this constant preaching of the gospel to myself that enables me to find joy in my most difficult moments. When I feel lost, when I feel out of place, when I feel I'm in a situation that's beyond my ability to handle one of the greatest ways that I can change that is by preaching the gospel to myself. I want to remind myself of the eternal work of Jesus. I want to remind myself of the glorious work of God's grace in my heart. And that it's not just what he's done in my heart, but what he wants to do in the hearts of so many others. And as a missionary, if you don't have that, it's a little difficult. When you realize that you hold, that you have in your possession the greatest of all possessions, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, it motivates you to want to share that good news and share that joy. Joy that's not, again, dependent on our circumstances or our situation but oh so much related to the person of Jesus and who he is to us as those who follow him. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm just going to turn the service back to repeat.
Thanks, Dan. Appreciate that. You can prepare your communion elements. If you haven't got them, there's some in the basket in the back. I want to jump back to what Dan had to say about feasting. You know, one of the things I hope we'll get to know about each other as I'm new here and as we get to know each other, I hope you'll learn that I love a good dinner party. I love a good dinner party so much. I love having people in my home and cooking for them like Dan does. And one of the images we're given in scripture for our God is that of a good host, of somebody who sets a table, somebody who puts on their kiss the cook apron and stands at the barbecue to prepare something wonderful for us. And when we come to the table, we're reminded of our good host. We're reminded that, well, Jesus, for the joy set before him, went to the cross, that he also wants to set joy before you. And often, we are inclined, like moody teenagers, to be settling for happiness, hiding up in our rooms and eating TV dinners when our good Father has prepared a table for us, has set joy before us. So would you come to the table today? Would you come to the table and take a little taste of the joy that God has for you. I know it takes some imagination with elements like these, but maybe that's the point. Because maybe in your life right now, it takes some imagination. It takes a little bit of imagination to think that God would actually want to set joy before you. It takes a little bit of that spirit-inspired imagination to remember that God wants joy for you. Why don't we just take one moment and Quiet our hearts before we partake together. This is the body of Christ, given for you out of his joy. Let's take the bread together. And you know what Jesus did? On the night he was betrayed, he took the cup and he blessed it. He said, this is my blood given for you. Given for the joy set before him. Given as a reminder that you have more than you need with him. Let's take the cup together. 